What's going on, everybody? This is James Grandmaster Facts Voice, and you're here for another episode of the Facts Project. Today, special guest for the second time, third time. What am I talking about? Anthony Stokes <laughs> here to talk about decay issues four and five. Thank you for being here, brother. Thank you so much, man. This is one of my favorite podcasts. So I always look forward to uh, stopping by when I have a new release. For sure. And I'm definitely glad to get into it because, uh, I mean, now we're we're approaching the finish line you know this is one full series five issues in this in this volume and it's the end of this tale i mean for one first and foremost like how does that feel to have this story pretty much completed and about to go into everybody's hands i mean it feels great man you get you get a major sense of accomplishment um you feel a little bit sad uh as well because th this particular story is ending Silver lining is there's there's gonna be a, a spinoff, so mad spinoff. So it's not it's not too sad, you know. But mostly just relief, man. Ready to uh, you know, fulfill this and then keep it going, you know. Yeah, because I I mean, shoot, if we're if we're talking about it, we're talking about issue one dropped last year. No, twenty twenty one. Twenty twenty one. Yeah, late twenty twenty one. August, August twenty twenty one. Because I remember when we talked about that, and it was just like you know you. You pretty much as far as like indie comics, you were fresh in the game. You know, <laughs> Absolutely. Being somebody who is uh, a a self-taught screenwriter and has had uh, had your ways and means of basically wanting to jump into this field for a very long time. And when you did, you came in, you know, 10 toes down, uh, mm -hmm. have, have had the ability to put six six issues out there, if, if five issues of this and then one issue of intrusive thoughts. Yes. So, like, you know, you've been busy, brother. I'll say that. I, I have been busy. I that you know, just trying to, you know, get to a point, get to a point where I feel satisfied where I'm at. You know, we still we still working on that. That's what's happening. So, like, when we dive into these last two issues, the one thing that uh, a wise man always told me in in basically the the writing of a story, yes, uh, is. Find something that the protagonist wants a, or or needs or has like the overwhelming ability to to want to have in their hands and try to keep it as far away from him or her as possible. Hmm. Like, the, what, like is, if, if they even get close to it, take it away from their ass. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Do, it, do it over and over again. The climax will build up on its own. Just keep that shit away from them. So the this being a revenge tale. And the story of DK, uh, Trey, Jess, every everybody that's involved in this story, you yeah. know, like the way that it's constructed, of course, with DK's untimely death in the first issue. Yes. And of course, Trey being, if you want to call him the antagonist, because, it, it, you know, the way I look at it now with these last two issues, two issues, you know, you tend to have a different feeling about him than you did in the first three issues. Yes, there's a bit of a bait and switch there, um, a, a, a big bait and switch where um, I kind of like to show snapshots of characters. I like to be very economic, right, because we're paying for the pages, like every bit of information you are paying for. So I kind of like to set everybody up as like one dimensional and then that sets up the story and then we can kind of go in and develop them as, as the series goes on. That's true. And uh, you tend to see a lot more of a villainous quality come out of DK because of now him being resurrected. And now you're starting to see a little bit of vulnerability 
starting to happen with Trey. Yes, absolutely. Now, how would you say the construction of basically how you you kind of like flip revenge on its end? The, the coin flips with these two. Like, how do you right. create that notion within a good five issues? Like, you, you're building up a person to be this for three issues. And then all yeah. of a sudden, boom. I think I think having the ending in mind helps, right? Like knowing where you're going, um, it being about violence and violence being cyclical, one of my favorite themes, you know, which is often the theme of revenge stuff, right? I'm also thinking about Mensa Society, uh, Attack on Titan. A lot of my favorite media mm-hmm. media has that as as a um as a theme. So it, it's just really it just it just makes sense that. Um, I think you'll find a lot of times like somebody will be trying to get revenge and like, oh, the bad guy wasn't exactly who we thought they were at the time. Right. You know, oh, my goodness. What am I thinking? I can't think of what I'm so it's killing me on what it was. Um, It's killing me on what I'm I'm, I'm thinking in my head, but I can't think of the specific media. I'm going I'm to I'm 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 think about it, though. But the, it, it, I mean, ultimately, from that example alone, Kane and Menace Society where you basically saw him, you know what I'm saying, growing up as this kid that was like, uh, of course, grew up in the inner city. Best friend is probably one of the illest killers in this goddamn neighborhood named O'Dog. And, you know what I'm saying, you come to find out that all he just needs is a little bit of bounce, maybe a little bit of love, and then maybe just an exit plan. Just an exit plan. That's it. If he gets that in his head, you start to see, like, you know, like he's starting to be be a little bit more positive walking around. He doesn't want to do as much. He's not he's not as trippy or, or as a live wire as he used to be. And then ultimately it ended in his own demise. Yeah, no, I, I literally watched Mensa Society uh, like last week or something like last month. It, it's, it's such a great it's such a great movie, you know, and that's the kind of stories those kind of really somber um really atmospheric i mean mensa society is damn near a horror movie you know when you look at the way it's the way it's framed it actually and um i always i have an internal battle battle like what's better boys in the hood or mensa society and it's 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 tough man it's really tough to think about i think boys in hood is more polished but i think mensa society is it's rawness kind of kind of i don't know it's it's hard to choose man but no, that is that is a good example. And like I said, I mean, it feels good because I feel like truthfully, every issue of decay has gotten better. Mm-hmm. And um, that's I feel like an achievement of itself. I think that, you know, I, I actually had the idea. I worked backwards from the ending, you know. OK, um, I worked backwards from the ending. So that that kind of that kind of makes sense as well as that is that would be the case. But. Um, no, this has been something I, I've looked forward to getting to hear for a very, very, very long time, you know. Mm. Now, now, Trey being somebody who we come to see in these latter issues as someone of in the first three issues, having this tough exterior and, of course, showcasing mm-hmm. him is now being vulnerable, vulnerable in literally the fourth issue. He showcases it because you're, you're you're now shifting this whole point of view. You're looking at him as he was entering the party that he was going to where right. DK met his demise. And you're, you're seeing it as he was actually terrified going up in there. <laughs> yeah. 
No, because I know I ha- I know that feeling, man. When I go to a party, I get roped to go to a party, and I'm just like, oh my god, I just hope I don't get shot. Like I, I can I can relate to that, and also, um, yeah, just just him being just him being anxious, and it kind of it kind of turns to an ultimate tragedy, you know, when you when you get that perspective where it's like, man, nobody. Um, I think I think Trey says it, um, in the second issue where he's like. I didn't want to be at that party either, you know, like yeah. as if to say, like, this is just a really unfortunate situation. And ultimately it's DK, the one who just just escalates. You know what I mean? Like he, he just turns to eleven. He's also kind of like a like I, I thought about this, somebody being undead. It's almost like he's like a Michael Myers. Mm-hmm. Right? He's a Michael Myers, but he has, you know, a weakness that that is, I think it it kind of keeps things interesting. But I mean, I just like that idea of like, all right, what if Michael Myers had a lot more personality? You know, it's true. And the thing is, like, we barely understand any personality that comes with him because, you know, there's a mask behind it. Like, you're all. Yeah. So so the, the, the value of perception is totally gone from Michael Myers to where in this story, because we get to know the characters exactly who they are and their twists and turns and their everyday goings in life. Perception is everything. You know, yes. even, even in the first issue, like when Trey walks into the door and DK and Marcus are sitting there selling drinks, the first yeah. thing they thought as he's walking towards the table is, uh oh. Yeah. You know, they ultimately see him as a villain, like almost, almost instantly. Yes. So, so, like, in turn, at the end of issue one with DK and Marcus both, both dying, you know, mm-hmm. it was like, okay, it came true. Trey is really a bad person we understood that from jump he was just going to be this guy from then point on but you know necessarily you know he didn't really like ask for forgiveness in these later issues or anything like that it was like look this was just an unfortunate accident yes i'm sorry it happened but i'm willing to defend myself if need be yeah i mean he he just wanted to be he just wanted to be over with you know right and um, yeah, I mean, like I said, it's about the sickle nature of violence is that he got into an altercation. I mean, even I, we, I, uh, I don't know how I'm forgetting bro's name. Oh, Shady. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, LaShawn McCoy, that's how I remembered it. Um, even him sitting down and being like, yo, let's like, like, there's tra- so many points where things could be de-escalated and it's just tragic that it didn't. It, it's so many dominoes that fall. Mm. And uh, I'm really happy with the narrative. Like I, I part of me wonders will I ever get like in from my perspective a narrative this cohesive, you know? Yeah. Um, where everything gets better, where everything everything kind of fits the the theme perfectly. Like I'm really excited for people to. I, I like I said, I've been really, I've been really really excited to see the reception on issue four and five, so, particularly five. Well, one thing that kind of like. Uh that kind of like glanced to me when I was reading four and five was when the first uh, pet cemetery movie came out from Stephen mm-hmm. King. No, I didn't even read the books. The, the byline for pet cemetery, it said like right underneath it is something should stay buried. Yeah. So it was like, when, <laughs> yeah. you, when you play with death more than likely everything that comes with it, not going to be that great regardless of the outcome. I mean, that's what it's about. It's about the inability to uh, let go, right? Like that's what Jess. That's what Jess does, and um, ultimately, she makes she makes like a couple wrong decisions, you know. And I think that was that was a 
That was basically Penrose. Yeah, like don't yeah. don't bring me back. You got to move on. I mean, it sucks. You know, that's it's it's a you know it's it's unfortunate, but you gotta you gotta try to move on. That was going to actually be my next question. I was going to ask, like, would you primarily say the entire scale of this five issue story is just mainly the one at fault for this entire series? I think she has she does she pulls the inciting incident. You know, um, but I think I think you know, truthfully, I think everybody has their share of blame. Yeah. Like ultimately DK is the like he's the driving force of, of the plot. She makes she makes a choice. Um, Trey, Trey is scary. Trey, Trey pops off and makes mistakes. So I think I think it's all I think I have a share of blame, but I think something that was really important to me was that just at multiple points could kind of rectify her mistake mm-hmm. or take accountability and she doesn't you yeah know, that it, was super important to me even even so um was it dk actually asked her does she regret bringing him back mm-hmm. and she ultimately says she doesn't yeah and that was to me it was that was when you see the ending especially you'll know why it was so important that all right she made her decision like she she you know she made her bed multiple right. times even the issue two there was a moment like that where um she had an opportunity to kind of stop things in her tracks and she didn't she didn't take it mm. and, and and the thing is i guess at the at the end of the day because she basically made her bed with her decision and everything like that it it pretty much set up the fact that she was just like uh a pariah in this she was going to be the martyr i mean yeah it's, it's essentially yeah I, I don't I don't disagree, man. I think I think she's a great character. I think um yeah, I'm I'm really happy with the, the character development. We were able to just shove in this five issue series. Definitely. Now now what would you say um your your play on morality with the main characters has been throughout this entire series? What's been the play? I think it's um if I understand your question, I guess it's uh with all of them. I mean, it's different things, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like with Jess, I mean, I guess it's the inability to let go, but like with Jess, it's it's the inability to move on, and you, and you certainly understand why it'd be hard for her to do so. Um, with with uh Trey, he, he you know, I guess I could say it's like letting everybody's worst impulses kind of take over. You know, DK becoming like a revenge machine, Trey. Um, being jumpy, Jess, you know, not being able to to move on, you know, I, I think that's it. So now, ultimately, when you when you uh, when you first brought this to to everybody in the masses, it was a revenge comic per se, a super yeah. revenge comic. Now, ultimately, and I know you wrote this backwards. Did it was it always perceived as revenge being a double sided coin? Oh, absolutely, a hundred percent. No, that that was the because that's that's what that's what the story was, you know, and I think you you'll find I mean, it's also like there's this great line um, where uh, this guy named Pooh, he says, you know, um, you know, dig if you see revenge, dig two graves and he he flips it and he says one for him, whoever's with, you know. Right. So there's there's a lot of sprinkling. uh, uh, I like to I think it mentions the theme sprinkled throughout but i don't think it's like super heavy hand at any point right and and even i will say this by i'm gonna say issue four when i started reading it 
I almost forgot that literally from the beginning, you said that this is a horror comic. And yeah. you almost, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and and you know, towards the end, you know, you're figuring, okay, uh DK DK's gonna get his and then he's gonna ride off into the sunset and there's gonna be this happy ending. And you totally <laughs> forget that yeah. this is a horror comic, you know. That it is. Necessarily, it doesn't have to end this way. No horror movie has a great ending at the end. Sometimes you see the girl walking off into the sunset. A car pulls up. The antagonist is still living, pulls her into the car. Then the screen goes black. I think, yeah, I agree. I think um, if you think about horror, like Alien, you know, I think that's a great example of like Ripley wins, but the set like a lot of these movies like the sequel is about dealing with the trauma from the first yeah. incident when you think about i guess we can call it term we could call terminator a horror movie if you wanted to like stretch that um oh was the descent is i think that's a descent the one where they go into the caves yeah um, the girls are going into the cave finding ex yeah ptsd is like a major driving force for like uh halloween 2 um the the yeah that so it's yeah no absolutely i think for me, I always try, I never try to have, I think it's too easy to have an outright downer ending, right? Um, Or an outright exceedingly happy ending. I try to make things somber in mm -hmm. some way or, you know, or, or have a silver lining hat, you know, if it's really bleak or have like a, my, oh my goodness, what is the movie? Is it The Graduate when they're, when they're riding, they're riding in the bus it's it's uh Andy, it's not Andy Hoffman. Oh my goodness, I can't believe I'm forgetting Dustin. Dustin. Dustin Hoffman. And have you seen the, the Graduate? I've seen the Graduate. Yeah, it's really good. But when they're riding the bus and they like they've committed to each other, and then like they kind of just look like, ha, ah, have we have we made the right decision? And you hear that damn yeah. the guitar the guitar riff from Simon Goldfunkel. It's like that to me is the perfect ending. Like it yeah. is an amazing ending, and that's kind of what I like to do. Because they've gone through like leaps and bounds to get to this moment, and then they're still unsure. Yeah, I mean, because that's a great way, and I love. I'm thinking back uh, to like all this stuff I'm writing, and I think so much of having. You want to give a character strong motivation, right? Because that's the that's the map for the for the audience on on mm -hmm. what's about to happen next, right? Is the character's motivation. I really like when you can almost use you, you almost just examine the character's motivation right mm -hmm. like and you and you hold up a mirror to it and say is this is this a good way to do this is this a good idea and a lot of times a lot of times you know like when i like my stories it's not if you're if your protagonist is like 100 percent doing the right thing that might be kind of boring you know like right. there's not a lot of room but if what they're doing is ultimately like i love stories when it's like I, I need to do this and then they realize they don't have to do it like that's some of my favorite stories mm. now um essentially when you're talking about uh the means and the ways to spin this off necessarily mm -hmm. with how the story ended like do you basically just live in the same time frame is there other characters that we don't know about that are connected to the main characters in order to continue the story, how does one perceive that? Um, I'm working on a, I'm working on a prequel series that's going to be a western, mm. and um, which I'm very 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 excited about. This might be my magnum opus. I don't like the idea of having a magnum opus, but this is going to be. I usually try to like the case five and she starts six. Um, 
So I, I'm going to try to it's going to be a prequel, a Western. And mm-hmm. so it's going to be completely unrelated story wise, but it's going to have like the themes of, you know, like morality and like um, grief and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And then the the this the next spinoff is you know the next spinoff is basically taking the themes and a few plot elements and then kind of it's kind of like dealing with the ref, um the ramifications of this particular story. Gotcha. And then I I mean I'm working on so many shorts. I didn't I didn't really like the idea of doing a, a shared universe, but then I thought of like some really cool ways, like some really cool ways to tell more stories. Right. So to me, I want every story in this universe to be amazing, you know, like to, to where it's it's um to where it really just builds on the themes and gives you like a really good piece of storytelling. Also, when you see the the title decay, it's like, OK, this is going to be good. And the actual the framework of just bringing somebody back with a necklace is I, I, I was talking about this earlier. Mm-hmm. I've done this is my third interview. So I'm trying it's like trying, trying to like, oh, I said this earlier, but no, this is a different interview. Um, we were talking about Kids Lamar, Good Kid, Mad City. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you look at this, you look at that um, in other concept albums, right? Let's talk about concept albums, right? Like, I'm thinking of the, um, the Wall. Ways and Heartbreaks. I don't know if that's a concept. Is that a concept album? That's a concept album. That doesn't work as well for my, for my example, but for my point. Mm-hmm. But The Wall. Okay. Um, Pink Floyd. Pink Floyd. Um, Gorillas, Plastic Beach. Um mm-hmm. And then, you know, Good Kid, Mad City, it's like you have a very thin, you have a very thin plot here, I guess, for the concept. And then you can just talk about so much stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like um, the wall is, oh, my God, the wall is about the war, like fascism. It, it's about so mm-hmm. much. Stuff. I couldn't even possibly, you know, the Good Kid, Mad City is about, you know, poverty, religion, you know, hypocrisy, vi- you know, circle nature, violence, my favorite, you know, peer pressure, mm-hmm. love, you know. It's about so many stuff, and the gorillas is about you know like environmentalism and all kinds of stuff. And it's like that setup of just having a necklace and come back from the dead. It allows you to kind of talk about multiple things, and that's mm-hmm. my favorite part about the premise is that it's just we we can, yeah we can literally talk about anything. We can do any genre, talk about anything. You know, this happens to be like a, a horror thriller. Like I said, the other one's going to be like a western. And I, I got some comedies. I got a comedy in in um in the works too, like with the, with the premise. I think I remember you you telling me about this. Uh, I, I think it was probably the first time that we talked that you said that you wanted to basically take a dive into in, into comedy in some sort. Now, is there oh, yeah. is there a way to genre bend? Is that what you're doing there? Is or is it strictly comedy? No, it's gonna be strictly a comedy. Actually, um, I, I love I actually love writing comedy. I think um, I, I, it's fine that I did this, but I kind of wrote myself into a corner with the mm-hmm. with these, these you know these couple of stories. But it's it's coming, man. You know, I feel like I can write anything, and I also think that when you when I think there's some funny moments in the K two as well. Like there's there like some 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 dissonance, you know, because it's, it's a ridiculous. It's like a ridiculous premise, and like when you can play with that aspect of it it's uh it's really it's really fun um because it's just so serious but it's like <laughs> it, it's yeah it's kind of silly in certain parts but no i mean all, being able to write comedy really well like being able to write comedic dialogue it just allows you to essentially allows you to develop characters in a really quick way right like mm-hmm. you, if, if you if character can make an audience laugh they're going to empathize with them immediately Right. And um, it allows you to like you don't have to have the most 
interesting thing happen all the time. You can have slow moments that can be, um, that can, that can boost that up, you know? So that's definitely something that I'd like, I would like to, uh, get into more. Dope. Now I saw, uh, what was it recently that you've had the, the opportunity to basically do a panel with Comic-Con. How'd that, how'd that feel? Oh man, that was great, bro. It was, it was Vince, it was Vince White. Um, Pat Shan, my boy Pat Shan, and Charlie McElvey, my other boy. And man, uh, it was it was a great it was a great time. I'd never done a panel before, and I kind of try to think of it like a podcast. Mm-hmm. But like you'll notice right now, I'm not making I'm not looking at the screen. So even then, it's like hard. Like it's hard to look back at the at the people. But um, mm-hmm. no, it was it was fun. It was definitely a highlight of, of my of my career. Um, and it was it was cool. I'm looking to do that more in the future. Now, 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 what was the topic? If I may ask. Um, just publishing any comics like uh, it was pretty broad. Like, you know, what's the hardest part? What do you think about the landscape? You know, um, there's conversations about manga versus Western comics. You know, just uh, you know, I don't want to say basic, but you know, uh, indie comic stuff. Right now, do do you feel as though uh, being somebody that's basically jumped into indie comics, you know, as 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 deep as you have over the past couple of years? Now, how do you see the landscape being now? Now that you're in it. I think um with the with the with Kickstarter I felt like there's you can't be gay kept, right? Like if you make a good product and you advertise that product well, then it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna find an audience, you know. So I feel like it's scary in that, you know, if something's not working, you you only have yourself to blame. But by that same by that same the the opposite of that coin is that you have every tool that you need to mm-hmm. um I don't know how many how many people can like make a career off of solely kickstarting books i i don't know if that exists like you know i think you might have to be brian polito for that right but if you just want to keep making stories and and you know um something a supplemental income the, the you know i think i think uh the the tools are out there now do you feel as though like uh the aspect of marketing and content creation are they attributed of course to having a personality behind somebody that's writing the books I think so. I think anytime you can put your personality out there or a version of yourself, I think that's a good thing. Like empathy is a, is a big deal. Right. And I think mm-hmm. that's the, the, I think that's the benefit of content creation. That's the benefit of, you know, podcasts and doing, or doing shows like, mm-hmm. sure, you can have a great premise, but if you come off like an asshole, like nobody's going to want to buy your book, but you know, like that's just an example. Um, So yeah, no, I mean, coming up. Yeah being a per- per- person or having a persona and then kind of communicating this to the audience so they get to know you better is, 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 is super invaluable. Now, uh, being with your first two titles, one being of course, a horror comic, the other one, a psychological thriller. Has anybody ever said to you that you don't seem like somebody that would make a horror, a horror or psychological thriller? Hmm. Yeah. Oh, for sure. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, I can be, I, I'm, <laughs> I can be a pretty goofy guy, you know, um, to the point where, yeah, when I when I started with Charter Decay, people wanted something more funny because that's that's what I've been writing at the time before. Mm-hmm. But um, I think if you really know me, it makes sense. You know, yeah. like that's what I like. I essentially like like my three I want to talk about movies that I like. I like pitch black drama thrillers like Mensa Society mm-hmm. um, or I like raunchy comedies like like Judd Apatow you know like like super bad that's my two that's my shit right there so if you know that about me then it it shouldn't be a surprise that uh that that I make thrillers 
now now the the current state of horror movies that have pretty much been out there like say for instance like uh uh i know you have a a, a type of a uh, a disdain for jordan peele i don't have a disdain for <laughs> <laughs> no man i just think i just think us was trash i just don't think us was good man but don't, nope was fantastic i love right. nope but is there, he's in my good grace. is there a certain era of horror movies that you type you type you type you fit you that you fit in? I would say the newer stuff. Yeah, I would say I would say like when you see the new age of horror or elevated horror, which I don't really like that term, but mm-hmm. that's that's just the way I identify it. Like Midsummer's one of my favorite movies. I was you know? about to and say that. any of the A24s, Hereditary, Mother. Ma- yeah, Mother. Oh, yeah, a lot. Yeah, I love Mother. Like it, some of so many of those. I mean, I I even go as far. Um, yeah, and then I yes, those kind of movies are, were super influential. And then even like back in the day, I have uh, I have I just loved Saw. I could not get enough of Saw movies. Okay. Bro. I had just such a like a sadistic sense of humor <laughs> at that point, and I just loved them so much. And I just loved the the spectacle and all. They're also horror movies that weren't really scary, which is good because I was <laughs> I was I was a baby. I was a baby as good, but like definitely the elevated A twenty four horror. And again, I, I think um I think it's a dis disservice to a lot of normal like I guess normal horror. But like normal horror is lit. Like nothing is better than like, like pop. You know, I said pop in a movie like like it's a VHS or something. But like nothing's great than finding like a little nasty little thriller on on Netflix or something. You know what I'm saying? Like uh-huh. I, I, I that's the best. Like that's the shit. You know what I mean? So uh, but I would I, I would say Ari Esther is a huge a huge influence on me as as a creator for sure dope man so now well don't i think you said his name right now as far as like uh all the stuff that you're basically conjuring up in your mind and what you want to put forward when the end of this campaign ends and of course this this time this this series ultimately closes of course you got intrusive thoughts but what else do we expect from you to come Oh man, I I have a like I said the case spinoff which which will be ready this year. Gotta look at my calendar. It might come out this year. I gotta see. Um, the it's gonna be a decay short at least. There's gonna be a decay short as well. I'm working on a wrestling uh, comic book, which is gonna be super exciting. Uh, another revenge, <laughs> another revenge story. Um, that's like kind of it's it's different. But it's essentially like revenge is bad. You know, it's it's another one of those that's mm-hmm. gonna be like really, really cool. Um, I got the illustrations for that already. That's gonna be fire. And then um I have a revenge manga, fantasy manga coming out too, which is you know, guess what the theme of that is. So a whole lot of revenge, I guess <laughs> a whole lot of revenge, I guess. But um, no, nah, I think I think the comments are gonna keep getting better. You know, I, I think um, you know, I'm learning, I'm learning more about the medium. Yeah, which is a which is a nice feeling, and uh, I think I think it's all it's, it's gonna be all quality storytelling. You know, like I said, I, I want to work on I want to do everything, and it's it's shaping up to be that that's gonna be the case. Now, what is Anthony Stokes' reasoning for jumping into manga? Like, what is your direction in going into manga? Um, the 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 i guess the cynical part of it is um when i go to you know like let's say the the brothers read mom you know what i'm saying like yeah, like a lot bro i got a do. couple up here yeah they do so i mean that's it right when i'm at a con i want when somebody's like oh i like dragon ball z not comic books boom i got something for you mm-hmm. that's the cynical that's the cynical answer the the 
real one of the real reasons is that I, like manga i would as a kid i got grounded a lot like i couldn't watch i was grounded like pretty much three quarters of my high school middle school nah i mean high school at a certain point they couldn't but like my middle school year was like i was once that first report card came out i was grounded like <laughs> so i couldn't watch tv i couldn't but i had manga and i would just read manga i read um my my mom i used to love the Yu Gi Oh tv show and my mom's friend, basically a family friend, brought um brought me Yu-Gi-Oh! Yeah. Volume one. And uh, recipes to the creator Yu-Gi-Oh! And I was like, and I was like uh, amazed. And I saw I started reading that. Then I read some Naruto, read some One Piece, or only Kenshin, Rama one half. And I would just I would just devour these fucking books, you know. And I was reading comics a little bit back then, you know what I'm saying? I had to, I had the yeah. essential Spider-Man, I had the ultimate Spider-Man I read, I read, you know, Watchmen, the big stuff, but mostly as a kid during my formative years, I was reading manga and then uh, I got grounded so bad. She took all my manga too. She, she, mm-hmm. she I had a footlocker. She threw it all, all the manga in there. She took it out, but I had some stashed around, you know, I had some in the floorboards and the drywall so I, I could still read it. So, um, I just have a love for the for the medium, and if I'm being honest, I prefer it 100% to Western comics. I was about to say, by the, the comics that you write, you don't seem like somebody that would necessarily get into the capes and cowls or the superhero-type genre at all. I would have to have a really great... I would have to have a really great story, you know? And then even if I did, it'd probably look like the boys, to be honest. Like, to, to be honest and honest, it'd probably be something irreverent Mm-hmm. Which that already that already exists, you know. Um, so I would never say never. If I have something that maybe I should think it was superhero, <laughs> maybe I should be thinking of some superheroes, but no, and I and I think what I love about manga is I thought about this because like I'm trying to get into the I'm trying to be more empathetic because my friend pointed out that manga creators have editors, you know, like which which is of course they do, but like I, I understand the western structure of a publisher right and i didn't think about that i, I didn't think about that as far as it is that it'd be the same you know with manga so um i'm, I'm gonna do the same to western comics and it's like man if i had to write a comic book a week or two weeks or monthly and i couldn't have a logical i couldn't work to a logical conclusion that sounds hard that sounds like a hard job um so I want to I want to try to be nicer to the to the Western writer because I couldn't do that. I know for a fact I couldn't do that. You know, I think the reason manga is better. I think the dialogue is better. I think it's more auteur mm-hmm. and um, and it, it just you're getting. Yeah, you're getting one vision, right? You're getting one vision, something that has an end. You know, even one piece is working towards an end. You know, it's been going on for 20 years. Berserk and one piece are long as shit, but we are we are progressing to an end you know and i don't you don't you don't get that with a lot of bigger bigger um mainstream comics so that i think that's why i think that's why it appeals to me i mean chainsaw man is is incredible i mean i read chainsaw man and i and i made intrusive thoughts because i i I, like i was like i need to make a story that's this crazy and like interesting Mm -hmm. you know so i love manga love it love it love it dope bro i appreciate you doing this with me I mean, shoot, as far as like this series and how you basically put it together in the past couple of years, I'm I'm happy for you that you put put that out there. And definitely now that you've already been working on your on your on your second series with intrusive thoughts and everything that you pretty much got going on in the future is is 
definitely on the right path, brother. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, man. Thank you for having me. Not, uh, man, it's always great to come on here. For sure. For sure. So from Anthony Stokes, James Graham, Master Facts Boys, and we are out.